Welcome back to the podcast. We are just under four weeks to kick off at Auburn. Fall camp is underway and life is good. Welcome back, guys, to our longtime loyal listeners and to those who just found us via TigerNet. We are very excited to have you and to continue our partnership with TigerNet headed into the football season here. Quick plug before we get started for our podcast. Uh, we are the podcast. We record weekly and actually more often than that once the season starts. And so you don't miss any action be sure and open up your favorite podcasting app, search for Clemson Podcast, and subscribe to us. That way you will not miss a show. And if you don't use a podcasting app, uh, you can download or stream our shows from SoundCloud's app or mobile website. Um, or if you're on a browser, just go to soundcloud.com and look for Clemson Podcast. Thank you very much. And um, guys, looking ahead, I mean, we've just started fall camp here. Uh, the team kicked that off on Tuesday. They had weigh-ins on Monday. Um, before we get started into that, I just wanted to go around the horn a little bit, hear what's top of mind. So I'm thinking about recruiting. Jordan Williams, defensive end, I've said, I think for the last several months, we need some defensive ends for this class where numbers are really are really thin to say the least. Jordan Williams was right there at the top of our board behind maybe only Malik Herring. Don't get caught up into the the rankings, the recruiting rankings. I think Jordan Williams is out of the top 150, whereas like a Zach Carter is the highest ranked and what the staff actually valued Jordan Williams higher than Zach Carter. He's got a huge upside. I mean, he, he reminds me of Vic Beasley. I, I wouldn't call him Vic Beasley. He's a little bit, a little bit bigger. I mean, definitely got a lot of quickness, lateral quickness. He's going to be at the strong side defensive end position. So, I mean, you're looking at more like a Kevin Dodd, but the desirable, you know, uh, measurables in terms of length, six, five, maybe six, six, he's coming in at two fifty. 260. I mean, that's just, that's the part you talk about Vic Beasley. Like he was two, he came in 220. He had a hard time getting past like 230. I think for certain he's more developed physically at this point coming in. And that's been a trend in our <laughs> recent recruiting. Right, right. And you can tell, you can see what type of priority the coaching staff is putting on uh, in terms, especially at the defensive end. They like that length, especially at that strong side position. Um, the guy, I think, like you said, huge ceiling. Um, I think. He's going to come in ready-made, ready to go. You're talking about two fit. He might have to put on 10 more pounds, but aside from that, you're looking at a guy that can help right away. And I, you look at Austin Bryant and Cleveland Farrell, or Cleveland Farrell, uh, those guys could be in the NFL within a, a couple of years. So you need all the help that you can get right there. Yeah, you got to keep reloading. I mean, they talk about it. It's the next guy up. No. To what degree was this expected, Cody? I mean, you, you mentioned he had us sort of toward the top of his board and when you see his reaction and how he committed to Clemson and how you know the grin on his face doing that it seemed like that he was completely you know focused on Clemson the thing that was odd with his recruitment at least as it relates to Clemson is about three months ago he released a top 10 and had Clemson outside of it he had actually gone on our uh, some website and looked at Clemson's depth chart and saw this long this huge bevy of defensive ends and he's like I'm never gonna get to play there but didn't actually realize that a lot of those guys were actually were walk-ons, uh, maybe some other positions. Uh, ended up didn't did not putting us in his top ten. Venables got on the horn with him really quickly. Before you knew it, had a top four. I think this has been a long time uh, coming. I think he's been a silent since the All-In cookout. You could kind of feel it over the last few weeks that he was definitely coming to Clemson. I mean, like the fact that he had set this date, uh, we knew when he was going to announce, uh, and that his last visits were going to be to Clemson. The writing was kind of on the wall with that one. Yeah, you follow the visits, and you also follow Venables. I think this is – can't remember how many guys he's actually been the head recruiter on the last several years, but whenever he locks in on someone, you think Christian Wilkins, uh, I, I believe Farrell was one of his targets. He'll, he'll usually come away with the guy. Uh, just incredible. Another guy that's incredibly passionate, good salesman, just like Dabo. Put him on Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Who's next? So I'm, I'm thinking Justin Foster. He is, uh, uh, I think he's a top 100. Yeah, he's in the top 100 defensive end. Or he's actually outside linebacker. I think at 240 pounds, the guy is, is ready to play defensive end at the weak side where Vic Beasley played. Incredibly quick, 
unbelievable film. I love his length, love his lateral quickness. He's exactly what you want. Um, I what looked like at one point like could be a uh, say like a a weak defensive end class. You get Jordan Williams commitment. I don't think Malik Herring. I don't think he's coming to Clemson. I think he's going to Georgia. But you you couple that with Justin Foster, maybe Logan Rudolph, who I think will end up playing defensive end. It's not a bad class at all in a in a, in a class at defensive end where we needed to hit a home run. Well, and then other guys on the board, AJ Terrell, we're f- feeling pretty good about him right now too, aren't we? I would say top, he's top DB in the country. Yeah, he's uh, top DB in the country. He's number eight uh, on rivals rankings. He is the guy uh, that we were talking about defensive backs last episode, and he he kind of just came out of nowhere. He, we got him on campus for the All In Cookout. That always does really good things for recruits and how they view Clemson. And then he came on campus just this last weekend, or this weekend, and. He is now, yeah, like you said, he's favoring Clemson. Long way to go, probably, but if he again, we come away with with uh, AJ Terrell, coupled with uh, blanking on the name Ben. Who's the other cornerback in this class that we already have on the board or going after? That we already have on the board. I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're talking. We're looking at. We're targeting these longer defensive backs, and I, I think Terrell could play. Cornerback, he could potentially play safety. Just incredible athletes, and you know we have we're talking about top add that work. to the class we had this past season too. Um, you know, and we'll talk here in a bit about how many of those we think will go through the go through and get redshirted versus see playing time this year. But bodes well for the secondary, right? Lee Anthony Williams. Lee Anthony Williams, right? There we go. Trey Lamar's old uh, teammate. So it, yeah, it, guys at the top of the board again. We're gonna we're gonna go the distance with these guys, and we haven't done that in the past. But we're talking about very, very high upside, probably three-year players at Clemson. Well, it's amazing what this has turned into. And you talk about uh, Williams taking a look at our depth chart. And, yes, some of those guys are walk-ons. But you also have to consider the fact, too, that some guys are going to be three-year guys or some of the redshirt guys are going to leave after their junior year. So that, that depth chart starts to get pretty thin fairly quickly. Somewhat new territory for us, too. I mean, certainly we've been sending guys to the league on both sides of the ball, you know, in select numbers in the past three to four years. But increasingly, this past class and ideally coming into this this next um, 2017 NFL draft, it's going to be a problem we have to cope with at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the cost of doing business, right? If, if you're going to be a national championship contender, that's what Alabama does, right? That's what Ohio State does. So if, if we're going to put ourselves up there and expect – Clemson to play at the same level as these elite teams and become an elite team ourselves, then that's going to happen. We're going to get used to it. You just keep restocking the cupboard, right? You just keep reloading. And that's what this coaching staff and recruiting personnel have been doing. And that goes back to why it's important that he is ready to go right out the gate or can at least contribute, potentially hit that too deep his freshman year. There's a potential that he could do that. I think he had a really good showing over the summer, this summer at all the camps that he attended. I see him probably jumping up, at least in rivals, uh, maybe ESPN's uh, rankings, maybe as a top 100 player when it's all said and done. But yeah, so maybe that wraps it up for recruiting. I know, Ben, you had a couple thoughts on something else. Well, yeah, so as Clemson fans, we're kind of used to going into every year with this uh, kind of Rodney Dangerfield complex that we're getting no respect, right? Well, I think we put an end to that, and that national championship game in our run last year really did put an end to that. Uh, coaches poll comes out we're ranked number two behind Alabama not really a lot of argument can be you know had there you know Alabama has a lot of guys to replace Uh, but again uh, Nick Saban their track record uh, every reason to believe that they're going to be really good again this year and I have no argument as to why we should be ahead of them does anybody else I, I, I think I'm okay with being number two right away it's fine it would be nice to go wire to wire number one but you know maybe not to put the pressure on uh, on us so to speak I think they lost more than we did, but you know, but they are Alabama. Give them the benefit of the doubt. They do have a quarterback to replace, um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest question marks they right. have this year. And uh, same Heisman thing, Trophy running back. And same thing at running back. But you know they're going to have a good offensive line. You, they've got really good wide receivers, and they're going to have a great defense. I mean, that's you know something that you know for sure um, out of yep. Alabama. So aside from that, uh, the coaches' poll. I only again put so much stock in these preseason polls. Uh, another thing that came out is ESPN uh, ranked the top 100 football players, 
in college football. And no surprise to us, Deshaun Watson, named number one. So really looking forward and excited to see what he's going to uh, do this season. He's got to be the front runner for the Heisman. I think we all agree with that. He is in Vegas, so he... he well, in Vegas aside, just kind of in our minds, you know, and we always throw out, yes, injuries aside. I mean, it's kind of a clear path for him, I think. I mean, with all the weapons and everything that he has around him on the office, offensive side of the ball, it's going to be a huge disappointment if he makes it through the season healthy and he's not the Heisman winner. A lot of the podcasts I've been listening to who are maybe not necessarily like the national pundits so much, but more like, you know... Um, podcasting play nobody they don't really comment on the Heisman too much but uh, a number of different other podcasts I think for them Deshaun Watson's the easy pick so they always try to go with and I'm not talking about podcasting play nobody but general you know national podcasts they see Deshaun as yeah he's the logical pick so maybe they'll go with the sexier pick like you know Christian McCaffrey or Leonard Fournette everyone knows the type of beginning of last season he had they only expect that to continue um, but I think, you know, adding an entire offseason of health to Deshaun Watson's preparation or repertoire, strength training, et cetera, you know, the game we saw against Alabama, I think, pretends a lot for what we can expect this season. He plays anywhere near that good all year. He's got the Heisman in my book. Well, and we're not going to see the slow start uh, that we saw out of him last year. And that's because he did have that full season as the starting quarterback. He actually got to play in spring practice. And he's not just coming into fall camp. Like, he's coming into fall camp with a lot of preparation uh, without coming off an injury like he did last year. So you're not going to see that slow start. This offense is going to hit the ground running, and it's going to be amazing. A lot of the national pundits look at his numbers from last year, and they think, wow, he had a great season. They don't look at the first half of the year. Like you said, Ben, he was hobbled. He didn't have the offseason to, to get kind of comfortable, get set in. And his when he was in the pocket, he looked shaky. He didn't run as much. They, we Wayne Gallman got a ton of usage, but what you saw in the latter half of the season was, just, especially as we got to the playoffs and, and you know or the ACC championship game and beyond, he was unbelievable. Just reading the defense to a T, understanding where the weaknesses are, exploiting those weaknesses. Anyway, different different player. Going back to his Heisman candidacy, though, I I think. He, he would be the front runner because a quarterback is the most position on the on the field, but Christian McCaffrey is gonna all per, talk about like C.J. Spiller, the white version of C.J. Spiller. That's McCaffrey. Leonard Fournette's gonna get a ton. The a problem. Ton of, the uh, problem for McCaffrey is that he plays in a less heralded conference and he plays on the West Coast, and there's that East Coast bias you hear a lot in the media, and that's a real thing because his games. There are coming I don't on think. So I don't think this night. year. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that wrote about that he the fact that he got discounted because and he probably should have won the Heisman last year, but he played in the West Coast. I don't think anybody's gonna sell him short this year. Or right, they're not him. gonna sell Deshaun Watson short either. And looking at our schedule, the numbers that he's set to put up, it's gonna be phenomenal. Um, so another, I mean, again, that's Deshaun Watson. We all expect him to be number one um, on ESPN's uh, kind of top one hundred there. But uh, you know if. If we want to dig a little bit deeper, and as Clemson fans have something to actually complain about, I was very surprised um, by a couple things. I know Mike Williams didn't play last year, but he's only ranked at number 48. Now, granted, there are not a lot of wide receivers ranked in the top uh, 50 of this poll. There's only three ranked ahead of them. Uh, Calvin Ridley from Alabama is number one, and I think deservedly so. Uh, But Mike Williams is going to play a lot better than that number 48, and you're going to see that come out this season. Um, and then Wayne Gallman at number 58. He's ranked as the ninth running back on that list. And there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of talent ahead of him. Fournette, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. Uh, but I saw what he did last year, and we all did, and I think he's poised to have another really, really good season. And to have Samaji Pirine ahead of him, come on, man. Give me a break. I've heard him. I heard Gallman described as a system running back, and it was a national podcast. And I know, like, we hate to think of that. He any kind of system, like he's a byproduct of a system, but he kind of is. He is the perfect complement to Sean Watson. And that is that system one where you run and get first downs and truck guys at the goal line. Because if so, I agree. <laughs> totally, that's Total the most system running back. <laughs> that's the most homerific thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> um, Washington State's quarterback is ranked ahead of him as, as a top one hundred player. I mean, come on. Like he's he's undervalued, I think for sure. I'm not I'm not taking anything away from Wayne Train. I love love Wayne Train. I, I discounted him his whole career up until last year, uh, so I've had a lot of making up to do. But 
he is a little bit the product of a really good offensive line, an offensive line that greatly improved last year, and Deshaun Watson, who can make things happen on the outside. You always have to account for DW, uh, not not just with his passing, but his legs too. We need that downhill runner. It leaves it leaves the system up, open to a really good downhill runner. He is that guy. Anyway. I, I, I'm just saying I think he's undervalued, and I think it showed in this yeah. poll. Um, so a couple other things that caught my eye are Tavis Scott ranked only at number 76. I think he's a top 50 player. I think he's going to show that this year. Um, he may not project. I don't know if he projects to the NFL as, as well as he does in college just because maybe his size. Um, but as far as college players go, I think he's much higher than 76. Um, ben, where would you put Hunter Renfro on that list? Well, Hunter Renfro was clearly a top 100 guy. He should be ahead of Ridley. You, you saw, exactly. You <laughs> saw what he did in the national title game. Um, hey, I was proven to be right last year uh, with my, my praise and uh, affection for his game. So Just piggybacking off of Dabo. Uh, well, Where you, was Christian Wilkins? You know what? That information has to come from somewhere. Uh, Christian Wilkins at number 85. Um, he's probably going to, I would definitely say he's going to end the season higher than that um, if you had to re-rank them at the end of the year. Um, that would be my gripe, would be see Christian Wilkins. Because, yeah, but again, he was a true freshman last year, so I can yeah. see people in this poll not giving him as much credit as, as he uh, probably deserves. Uh, I think one of the two guys that were left off this list, Ben Bulware, I can see why, but I think he's set for a really, really big year leading this linebacker core. Um, but I kind of like it when they leave Bulware off these lists because it just gives him more motivations. Like The more you can piss that guy off, the better we are. Um, and then fire, finally, Cordrea Tankersley. Tank is definitely a top 100. He's not on that list? He's not on that list. He's definitely a top 100 guy. He was overshadowed last year by Mac, but just wait. This year, he's going to be the guy called upon. He's going to be playing 800-plus snaps, uh, most likely. Um, and he's going to show out this year. I think he plays himself into a top three uh, round draft pick this year. I know. I think so. I think he could potentially be a first round pick. I totally agree. And I think Bulware, I like that he's off for the same reason that you do. I think he's kind of like our Tavis Scott in a way that I don't see necessarily see uh, NFL upside. Watch him prove us wrong uh, with that big chip on his shoulder and end up being an All Pro. I think he. Uh, I think he's going to be a heck of a college player, an All American candidate this year, quarterback of our defense for sure. So finally breaking this down, you know, Bama had eight guys in this uh, top 100. LSU had seven. I think they're poised for probably a pretty good year. Um, then you got FSU and Clemson at six. So we're, we're, you know, neck and neck with FSU. And you're right up there with Alabama and LSU. No surprises um, with the amount of guys that they have on that list. Um, kind of surprising to me, Ohio State's ranked number fifth in the coaches pool to start off the, the year. Um, they only had three guys in this top 100. Fair enough. Yeah, I think they have a lot of new talent. Not here to defend the Buckeyes or anything, but um, they have a lot of talent that they sent the most guys in the country to the NFL last year. A lot of guys that were either redshirt freshmen or just right behind on the depth chart. So I expect Ohio State to, if you're going to rerun this in February or January, end up with more than, what do you say, three guys in the top 100? I also don't think they end up in the top five, though. Like, yeah, good point. I mean, I, I think a lot of that is because of Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, the coaches have respect for him, but again, I don't really, I don't, I don't know if they end up in the top five. They have talent. Look at the recruiting rankings. They've, they've recruited as, as well as anyone. So I, I don't know who these guys are, but just like Christian Wilkins, they're plugging Christian Wilkins into, the, into their te- too deep. Yeah, and I think what this shows in general, we talked about the Heisman candidacy of Deshaun Watson, him being the favorite. Talked about Clemson being a preseason top five. Talked about us getting six guys in the top hundred. You know the res- the days of no respect, Rodney Dangerfield wise, are over. Is that yeah. safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, we showed uh, the country and the college football world last year what we were capable of, and I think we come into this season, um, we're still kind of, I think, going to be viewed as the darlings of college football because we didn't win last year, and it's it's like who. Who else is going to win besides an SEC team, uh, a Florida State or Ohio State? Who is that team that's not a perennial powerhouse? And Clemson fits that mold right now. Now, how long that lasts? Um, I'm hoping it doesn't last that long because I see us, um, the way the recruiting's going, the way we're doing right now, and what Dabo has been building, I see us up there in the national title conversation 
um, every year for, for many years into the future. Um, so eventually we're going to be the team that people hate. But right now I still think we're kind of a, a darling in the college football uh, landscape. I'd rather be – everyone hates Duke and the Yankees, but I'd rather be where they are than looking you know, the outside in. Well, it's like the Golden State Warriors after they uh, uh, won the NBA championship last year. It kind of Things kind of turned, and people like them. Again, this year they went had won the 73 games. Now Kevin Durant goes there, and they're going to be the enemy. So eventually you win enough, you will become the enemy. And you know what? That's fine with me. Can't wait for it. Yeah. The Darling title is only going to be good if we need it to sneak into the playoff, I think. You know, win your games is all that. That's my mantra coming into the year. Yeah, and that only happens if we lose to Florida State. Right. Then Dabo becomes a politician. A salesman. Salesman. Which we know he's good at. On national stage. Right. Let's go 12-0 instead. I'd prefer that. Uh, well, good stuff, Ben. Let's shift gears a little bit. So fall camp started Tuesday. On Monday, Cody's favorite part of the season, the weigh-in. Um, Cody takes a shine to you know figuring out kind of across the lineup of our uh, Clemson athletes, you know who comes in at what type of who tips the scales where, who's got what height. He's kind of our physique guy, if you will. So Cody, <laughs> talk to us about the weigh-in. First, let me say it seems like this is a frowned-upon title. To remind you guys, we're, we all participate in a college football podcast where our our main focus is 18 to 22 year old college athletes. So. Just and I've heard that football is a physical sport, so I, I thought it would be natural to really look at their weight right. and physiques. What happened at the weigh-in? You sound defensive. But. I'm a little upset, guys. So the weigh-in, I won't go into player by player. I just want to say that I think it's looking at the weigh-in. There were no surprises. There were some good things that happened, but no surprises. No one came in way overweight. A few guys were a little undersized. We can live with that. Some of the younger guys. Let me talk about the safeties first, because that's the big one. It's one we've been tracking. We need Van Smith, who was playing at about 185, 190 last year. We needed him to get over 200. We were, we were monitoring that. Well, in contrast to what J. Ron Kurz had going out, it's a monster. Exactly. And the reason that's so important is because the way Venables can use the safeties, the way he will move them to the line of scrimmage, the way he likes them to play down, like like essentially like linebackers at the safety position – they need to be big to, I guess, endure the rigors of the football season. Vance Smith needed to put on at least 10 pounds. And the fact that he got there, the fact that Jar Johnson, I think, is uh, Ben might be Ben's looking it up. About 217. 217. That, that lets you know the guy has been working out. Uh, the, other, the other position that I'll, I'll, I'll give, you know, shed a little light on would be the offensive tackles. Frew Morgan and Hyatt came in with expectations right, right from the get when they, you know, when they started. They were undersized. They had unbelievable technique. They're unbelievable players and athletes, but they didn't quite have the size. This year they come in. I think they're both at 300. Upper body strength for for Morgan, lower body strength for Hyatt. That is a great sign. Another, maybe one of the best tackle combinations in the country. Well, and they're saying uh, for Morgan's kind of set for a breakout year, kind of like Hyatt had last year. And for Morgan had some contributions last year as well. He had some injuries that kind of slowed him down in gaining that weight last year, but yeah, he's up to 300 this year. By the end of the year, uh, I think he was just as good as Joe Gore, maybe even better. So he's stepping in as a sophomore. Unbelievable fundamentals and technique. It's going to be a really, really good uh, starting. Well, that's good. We're going to find out in the Florida State game, I think. Right, because they have a very good pair of defensive ends at Florida State. Very quick, very athletic. So we will find out then. Let me give a quick plug to TigerNet too. They do a great job of covering all this stuff. Not just the weigh-in, but everything that we're going to talk about today. Uh, without them and the way that they're able to like, give us instant access, like there's no way a podcast like ours could exist 3,000 miles away. And a lot of people say, how can you do it in California? And I say it's the same way you do it in Greenville. Like I have just as much access to understand things. So you know, kudos to them. Great to be uh, in partnership with those guys. And you know, I'll quit gushing. So Ben, I know you had some things on your mind too. Yeah, back to business. <laughs> um well, I have some concerns from the weigh-in. I know you don't. Um, our kicker is way more than way more than 60% of our DBs. Is that not concerning to anybody? Greg Hugel's up to 197 pounds. He's gained 12 pounds since last year. Now, if that 12 pounds is in his right leg, I'm fine with it. But, you know, what's, what's he doing so big? I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a plan. They're going to move them to special teams Look, kickoff coverage. Do you guys remember Ammon Lakeup in the Notre Dame game? I want my kickers with as much you know, beef on them as possible. You get the right fumble at the right time. You can change ball games. Yeah, but more than 60% of our DBs. 
And what does that say about the rest of our DBs? You picked out the two that are big. I mean, Isaiah Simmons coming in as a true freshman, so like 221. That's amazing. Uh, He's going to be ready to play, I think. But guys like, uh, you know, Marcus Edmond uh, not having a ton of weight on him. Mark Fields was, I think, at 180. Uh, Mark Fields, yeah, down in the 180 range. Uh, Ryan Carter, same for him. I mean, these guys are going to need to step up and stop the run. Like, that's, that's part of the defensive scheme. They need to be physical. So the fact that some of these guys didn't put on weight, that's a little bit concerning to me. Yeah, the knock on Marcus Edmond was that he's pretty good as a, as a cover corner. He can't be trusted. The reason he hasn't gotten playing time, this is now his fourth year in, in the program. The reason he hasn't gotten playing time is because he can't get off his blocks. He's, he's weak. There's no, better way to, there's no other way to say it. Uh, we were hoping he'd come in high 180s, 190, and he, I think he's still, what did you say, he's like one, is he 170s? He's, he's not where he needs to be. Edmund, 178, yeah. 178, yeah. So it's three pounds more than me. <laughs> I need to put him on the Greg Hugel lifting program. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the freshman later, but it's good that we know that Trayvon Mullen's coming in, and he looked, he looked good for sure. Cool. Well, guys, any other notes coming out of the first week of fall camp outside of uh, – what people weighed. Uh, yeah, so the motto this year, finish with no regrets. Does anybody think that's a dig at uh, Curse and Green? Finish with no regrets. Think about it. I haven't heard anything talked about, but... I think there's sentiment in the program that the cornerbacks, or I'm sorry, the guys in the secondary were very... didn't have the same focus that they... Or well, the, and J- the, J.R. Johnson had some comments saying that he thought he should have gotten some more snaps last year. They are kind of angling at that, so... I'm telling you, like the coaches have said stuff. To go as far as to name your season's mantra, though, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I, it could it, be we want to set a culture that avoids that. I and, think that's what it is. Right. I, I think that is the biggest reason we lost last year is because of special teams and those two distracted safeties. I think that was an issue. And I think this, I mean, well, I don't so know. One, one distracted safety, but J-Ron Curse was a little bit... Now, speaking of J-Ron, hearing that he's showing out very well in Vikings camp, and I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, when he got drafted late, was it the seventh round in the NFL draft? Uh, I thought that was a steal, and I, I think he projects uh, in the NFL as a much better player than a seventh-round draft pick. Again, you know, we can talk about him being distracted and unfocused at the end of the season. They're still Clemson Tigers, and I'm still going to root for them. It was just interesting for me to see the finish with no regrets. I, I made some ties back to kind of what happened at the end of last year. I, I wouldn't say, yeah, like, like Tully said, I don't, I don't think the mantra would be based off of that, but I think the sentiment is it, it's, it's widely held within the program in terms of knowing that let's keep, keep focused. A lot of guys last year didn't keep focused. Tank, Tankersley actually you know, said as much early in the off, earlier in the offseason season. So I, I think that's that, and maybe you know, kind of going to the next level, you get a lot of guys like Christian Wilkins. I've seen in interviews several guys. Um, I think Mitch Hyatt might have been another, who have just said we're we're focused this year. We are we're what happened last year in the national championship game, championship game stung a lot, and it's motivated us. Well, I read a quote I think um, from Wayne Gallman that said you know a big part of him coming back. Number one was to get his degree in December. And great to see, you know, that. I love that. I love that. Uh, But secondly, I mean, they're going to use the phrase unfinished business a lot. There's a phrase that was used in 2007, finish the job, which was in reference to a Boston College game that we lost to try to win the the Atlantic division. But ultimately, I mean, a lot of these players who got that close to glory in the limelight um, of the national championship had a lot that they felt they had to prove as players. Well, they won it. Yeah, they want it. You can tell this team is hungry. You can tell, even in the weigh-in, the weight and muscle that a lot of these guys have put on to transform their bodies to make them better players. Like, And even the freshmen are coming in focused and knowing that they have an opportunity to play. And um, it's it's going to be – I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty special season. And I, I think you're right. I think um, the sting of the defeat in the national championship game is – has added a lot of fuel to the fire. And these guys are coming in with a sense of urgency, and they're not going to take anything for granted. Um, So I don't know about you guys, but there are a few uh, players that I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do this season. Um, On the offensive side of the ball, Ray Ray McLeod, he got hampered by injuries kind of in the middle of the season last year and really slowed him down. But I'm, I, I really think he's set for a breakout season. He has so much talent and ability, and I don't think we really got to see that fully last year. 
he's a guy that I'm super focused on and really excited to see play. Yeah, I think the only thing that was holding Ray Ray back last year was his size and his propensity for injury. And I think now, with a little bit added weight, another year in the program, he did have a few drops for sure. That was a, that was an issue. I don't worry about that as much. I think he I think he definitely could have a breakout year. And I think one thing that we'll need is a guy on the outside that can make guys miss in space. That's what he does. He's a running back. He really was a running back in high school. He's a running back playing on the outside, essentially. Um, maybe a side note, why isn't he getting some looks at cornerback? That's where his future's at. But anyway, in terms of being a wide receiver. You really for, think cornerback? I think he's got the build and uh, the NFL ups his NFL potential would be there at cornerback does he have the ball skills he, he's well, a yeah, wide receiver he definitely has the ball skills yeah well he, to he defend, has the I hips mean. all right he has the hips he has the the short uh, area quickness well interesting take I mean why we'll flip him over there now we need cornerbacks we, need we got corner- plenty of wide receivers <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he, no but I no I think that takes away like I think his ability and just um his explosiveness that he's going to bring on the offensive side of the ball is really going to be exciting to me. We saw glimpses and flashes of that last year. So I'm excited to see what that means going into this season and to see if he can really take full advantage of his uh, talent and ability and make that happen. This might be a little bit of a lazy take, but I see Ray Ray's contribution as potentially a counter to what Artavius Scott gives us. But also, I think we need him to be getting a lot of reps on the special team side. I mean, I think that's really his role this year is be our special teams playmaker and leader um, from a return standpoint. Well, he's going to have a lot of guys uh, to go up against for that. I mean, Artavis Scott's going to be in there, Cornell Powell coming in, Tavion Feaster. We'll see what happens. I think he's the one guy on special teams that with lateral quickness will make you miss. If you look at Artavis Scott, he's had some big, big runs, but he's more of a run you over, a little bit of lateral quickness, Ray Ray can just, he'll make you miss and be gone with that Florida speed. Ben, you mentioned guys you expect to make a big impact this year. I think for me, one guy I'm really looking forward to see play, get, some, you know, get back on the field, is Kendall Joseph at the linebacker position. He's going to be replacing likely B.J. Goodson. So playing alongside Ben Woolware and likely, um, well, it looks like a rotating cast depending on the play, on the, you know, the formation, but... Um, for me, Kendall Joseph, I mean, you're hearing a lot of good things coming off of his injury last year, and it looks like he's he came ready to play. Well, he was going to be the starter ahead of B.J. Goodson had he not got injured. Um, so obviously the ability is there, and it's interesting that you bring this up because nobody's been talking a lot about the linebackers so far in fall camp. Um, we know we have our uh, two studs, Trey Lamar and Shaq Smith, uh, coming in. Um, Where are they even going to fit on the two deep, though? Well, outside of that, you know, you know, your starter is going to be Bullware and then Kendall Joseph for sure. Uh, but then Dorian O'Daniel, you know, we need really good things out of him this year, aside from being really good against the triple option against Georgia Tech, right? Which is what he's done best so far. Um, but I still don't wonder if we don't have some depth issues there at the linebacker position. Um, between uh, Bullware, Goodson, and Blanks, they took 86% of the snaps last year. Um, in 2015, and I think we need to spread that out a little bit more because we got really lucky that there weren't injuries last year that made us have to go back to the that. The worst injuries in that yeah, yeah. where it was hurt. Right. Yeah, that made us turn to O'Daniel and Joseph when Joseph just, by all accounts, just wasn't ready uh, coming off of injury last year. Agreed on the depth, but I think there's a lot more depth from top to bottom on this squad. I think Chad Smith, I mean, he's in the three deep. He was a really highly regarded player. Uh, last year, didn't he was redshirting, but Jalen Williams, he took some snaps last year. Yeah, and he'll he can be. I think he'll be, you know, kind of that Sam position. But you forget about Corin Wiggins, who can play safety or the nickel more in the traditional, you know, nickel package. Uh, you have Isaiah Simmons, who could potentially move down to the nickel. I think that's where he'll be used right away. You have Dorian Daniel, who, who has who is a traditional linebacker in terms of his build, but he's also got enough speed. He runs like a four five forty. He could move into, he doesn't have to play just the strong side linebacker, the Sam. He can also flip over to being a nickel because he's so fast. He can got, he can defend guys in coverage. So I, I agree. I, th- I think it's overall a better unit when you factor in. I, I think Dorian Daniels can have a breakout year, and as well as Kendall Joseph, who, like you said, was better, or at least was the number one guy last year well, coming out of camp. And I think it's going to have to be because I don't, th- you can't, 
I don't think we get as lucky as to, to be able to have three guys take 86% of the snaps this year without there being an injury that pushes somebody else in there. And I think, and this goes for a lot of positions um, across the field, um, you know, defensive end um, and then at the cornerback cornerback position. We have a very weak schedule this year. Uh, you know, aside from the opening game at Auburn, then Louisville and Florida State, there's not a lot of meat there. We need to get a lot of these young guys in, kind of spread things out around amongst the other guys in the two deep. Um, and some of these freshmen coming in just for the longevity like of, of our starters, for them to be able to be fresh for 15 games in a season and just to get some of these other guys' experience. Well, and what I think, amazing point, Ben, and what that brought up in my mind was last year when we did have those games against lesser opponents that Clemson very much could have and should have run away with um, to get more rest for our, our starters, we ended up finding ourselves in games that we were a lot, playing a lot closer than we would have liked, like Syracuse, like South Carolina. Even Wake Forest, I remember, was not the blowout that we all expected it would be. So I think that's something this year, if Clemson truly is going to be a national contending team, put them away by the second quarter. Exactly. Let's bring you know, the freshmen in that we aren't going to redshirt you know, to get their reps. And there's no there's no reason not to. I mean, you, you can talk about who we're replacing on defense and that we might struggle there a little bit in our secondary. But, yeah, we'll, we'll struggle against elite teams, not against the ACC schedule that we're playing. We should not be because the talent that we have there, there is so far and above anything that most of these ACC schools have. There's no excuse not to put teams away early, and I think our offense is going to do that this year because it well, kind of it does start on offense. When I look at the linebackers, though, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with that Florida State game coming up. I hope we're not in a situation where Shaq Smith, Trey Lamar, you know, and even Dorian O'Daniel are trying to, to win us that game. But I think, I mean, let me ask you guys a question. Do you think Kendall Joseph can give us 90% of what we got last year from Goodson? I think he can. I think the upside is, is certainly there. I, I still worry about him being an injury risk, but if, as long as he can hold us over, be a productive player until midseason, I think Trey Lamar, I'm not going to say he's going to take that spot, but he is he is the next big thing in terms of linebacker at Clemson. So I think at least by midseason, if you're Florida State is your concern, I think he'll be able to give us quality play by midseason. Well, and I think physically he's going to be ready to come in and assume a role on the team. But the linebacker position, it's, it's you know the quarterback of the defense. You have to be very cerebral. Uh, so how much is he able to pick up on the playbook and identifying and, and, and calling things out? Like That's going to be a big part of it that you can't necessarily um, expect that he's going to come in and, and be able to do that right away. But by midseason, absolutely, I think there's a possibility there. You talk about injuries – uh, Kendall Joseph, and the thing that gives me pause is seeing what Corn Wiggins has gone through because he's not 100% back yet, and that concerns me. I don't think he's going to have as big an impact as we all hope that he will. Hopefully, Kendall Joseph comes off that better than he did. Yeah, going back to the linebackers, I think what, um, what the perceived better depth this year can give us is more flexibility. I mean, you talked about the guys, really three guys taking 85% of the snaps. I think what you'll see are more rotations and situational assignments for guys coming in and getting snaps this year, which is good. Um, but really, the the one guy on that linebacker core we can't afford from a you mentioned the quarterback mentality position um, to get injured again is going to be Ben Bulware. So I think critical that you know he stay on the field. He had a shoulder issue last year. You'd have to think he's bulked that up and recovered. Yeah, I think you'd have to break his neck to get him off the field, <laughs> to be honest with you. That that kid's going to play through most anything. Not playing into, not having other teams be competitive into the second half, like you are saying, Tully. Yeah, we can't which, let teams stick around. He was playing well into the fourth quarters of games, or we should have put him away a long time ago. So I I agree. I don't think we're, I think the offense I, is going to be too strong for that I think a lot of that year. is on the offense, if you go back and look at it. Um, you know, we had a phenomenal offense last year, Heisman finalist uh, quarterback you know great play across the board but there were moments where we did not you know we settled for field goals or missed a PAT that ultimately came back to bite us or keep another team in the game or had a fumble that Syracuse game just gives me nightmares something we talked about is red zone efficiency as great of an offense as we were last year red zone efficiency was an issue and it it, like you said field goals instead of touchdowns this year Mike Williams is back Deion Kane hopefully is back I I think every facet of the offense is going to be just a little bit better um, and touchdowns will be replaced by those field goals. 
Yeah, I, I really don't see a way that the offense is going to disappoint me this year. I think it's just too rich in talent, uh, whether it be across the line. And, you know, we're not talking about Jordan Leggett at all. We talk about all these wide receivers. Like, he's going to have such a huge impact there this year. And then running back, we're so deep. We finally got guys like Die and Choice healthy, not to mention uh, Wayne Gallman. And then C.J. Fuller. Like, we're hearing nothing but really good things about him. And then Taven Fist is going to be thrown into the mix. So... Yeah, it's the the only thing that could really really cripple our offense is Deshaun Watson going down. But even then, I think there's so much talent around him that Schuessler or Kelly Bryant could come in, and you need somebody to manage the game. Alabama has done very well with quarterbacks that just manage the game. Let's say I think if in that case we're we always compared a little bit of the Colts style coming in, and you don't have to give me the caveats that he was injured and the offensive line was a little bit worse because we all know that. Or that Chad Morris just. Was or that Deshaun. Chad Morris didn't. Yeah, yeah, he was bad for a lot of different reasons. Whatever. He was bad, and you do need the right quarterback in the system to make it great. It could quickly be mediocre or above average with, with the wrong guy. I will say Kelly Bryant or Nick Schusler with the offensive line, with all the, the assets around him, could lead us through the ACC schedule against so. any team not named Florida State. I, I absolutely think so because you're right. When, you're, when your star quarterback goes down uh, – and your, if your offensive line is mediocre, that's when you're going to have the biggest problem. But with our offensive line being so good and being able to protect whomever is back there with all those other weapons that you have, you can get creative enough in the play calling, and they just have to be serviceable, and you can still be really good. Well, guys, great discussion. I want to pivot us to the main topic of our podcast. Here we are, 40 minutes in. Um, and I don't think we need to delve too deeply here because we mentioned a lot of these names so far, but... We, we look at this fall camp so far, and we're hearing a lot of names of true freshmen coming in, making a big impact you know, on the coaching staff and on our media members that are there watching them. Um, I'm, I've personally, you know, in what I've read and our expectations coming in, I'm starting to place these guys into one of three buckets, personally. And maybe there's a fourth that we, we haven't talked about yet. But for me, it's you know, where are these guys coming in and plugging holes in the depth chart? Where are they hitting the two deep where maybe there's departures of the team or they're already slotted in when they were recruited we'll consider those kind of the the shoe-ins for their given roles then i think there's another class of guys here who maybe there's a very deep roster of talent we'll call it the wide receiver position at clemson or the running back position or um, potentially even the defensive tackle position where these guys their talent is just so rich they're so good you know, maybe they even have expectations coming in and getting playing time from based on where they were recruited um, that we cannot deny them playing time. And they're just too talented. And then I think there are guys that, you know, maybe on the bubble of redshirting, that's, you know, they're really only going to see playing time if there's an injury that, that requires them to step up and get playing time here. And we can talk about where, you know, where the richness of talent is on this team. I'm curious, you know, which freshman in particular you guys are most excited about. Well, first for me to start off, whether or not they end up playing this year, I think ultimately these freshmen are going to be better than most of the upperclassmen that they're going to be taking the place of, um, especially the cornerback position um, and, you know, just in the secondary to begin with. I mean, so you think we've elevated the talent level of the secondary? Absolutely. Between Wallace, years. between uh, Wallace Mullen and Isaiah Simmons. I mean, yeah, there's household names, names you've heard of like uh, Adrian Baker, uh, Mark Fields and Ryan Carter, but that does it's not going to mean anything um, at the end of the year if if they're not able to perform. I mean, Trayvon Mullen's going to come in here. He's going to vie for playing time. Isaiah Simmons, um, he still needs to grasp the playbook, but he he's come in as a physical stud. I mean, like what six four, two hundred twenty one pounds. That's replacing J. Ron Curse essentially. So that's absolutely amazing. So I think guys like that are going to come in, and I know we're rich. Let's say the defensive tackle position, Dexter Lawrence. I mean, he comes in as guy the, the biggest guy on the team. I saw a photo of him earlier uh, this week from uh, the first week of camp, and he looked like he just ate Jake from Morgan. <laughs> like, he's that big. I mean, that dude's a monster. So I think the difference that you're seeing this year is recently we have been bringing in really talented, true freshmen. The difference this year is that these guys are physically ready, whether it be Lawrence or Simmons or Trey Lamar or Shaq Smith, they're physically ready. Can we start with Trayvon Mullen because of your your tears, Tully? I think the guys that we need to make an instant impact. And it's not to say that Mullen is the best player in this class. 
I don't necessarily think he is. I think I even said Xavier Kelly, who would probably be the other guy of need this guy hitting the two deep right away. Yep. I think he might be one of the most talented players, not named Dexter Lawrence in this class. But Trayvon Mullen has come in. He's got everything you want out of a cornerback. He's it's like McKenzie Alexander, he, except I don't think he talks quite as much trash. He really, really wants to beat his guy every time. And I think the coaching staff knows how bad they need him. Apparently, Dabo at one point said, let's get Mike Williams and Trayvon Mullen one-on-one, called him out, had him go one-on-one against one another, and Mullen holds his on against, like you said, Ben, maybe the best wide receiver in the nation. Uh, you, you know, at least at cornerback, you can say this, you're always going to go against the best wide receivers in, in the country. Well, they did the same thing with Xavier Kelly and Mitch Hyatt. Yeah, and from Oregon, and he beat both of them. There, there, there you go. I mean, these are two guys who have to hit the two deep. And, and for Mullen, maybe even starting, Xavier Kelly was my pick to be the best NFL talent in the next in, in three years out of that whole class, aside from Dexter Lawrence. I think he is, again, that 260, 250, unbelievable motor, unbelievable athleticism, play basketball. I think this guy's going to be really good. We might not be doing a great job in terms of recruiting enough players at defensive end, but the ones that we are getting their commitments we're usually we're hitting some home runs I, I feel like well and the fact that we came in so late in the game uh w- with a few of these guys especially in our secondary another venables one by the way yeah and so for me one of the things that i was worried about with both xavier kelly and isaiah simmons is both coming out of the state of kansas listen i i lived in kansas for three years while i went to ku and i saw high school football games on tv and those kids are small it's not it's not the same uh, breed of athlete that is in the South that a lot of these other recruits from South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina are going up against. So one of my biggest concerns was, is, is would Kelly and Simmons be able to come in here against guys that are much uh, more equally matched physically to them than anything they faced before and be able to stand up against that? Well, we've heard uh, about Kelly and what he did and then um, Isaiah Simmons, I think, coming in at 221 pounds, there's going to be no doubt in my mind he's going to be able to do that. So, again, these guys can just grasp the playbook. Um, you know, with Kelly as a defensive end, does he have the discipline? Um, and, and for him, too, I, I agree in terms of playing the lesser competition. Christian Wilkins was the same same situation in, in Connecticut playing against very poor competition. Well, Kelly doesn't, and same with Simmons, they don't lack the athleticism. It's just how do you kind of how do you assess how they would do against higher levels of competition kelly for instance i think he has a little bit of issues with like technique he's relying on raw ability but let me tell you we've got a great coaching with marion hobby and he does have the raw ability <laughs> when your raw ability is that good <laughs> i think you guys see yeah. him play on the weak side he'll be i think he'll start out on the weak side and just at least this year that's where he's playing yeah I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the strong side. Of this. Uh, so he'll be playing behind Austin Bryan, the strong side. Got so I, I totally see him uh, getting on the field this year along with Trayvon Mullen. I think Trayvon, I mean, that's interesting that you said that he could be vying for a starting spot, but who else? I mean, Mark Fields really needs to, to pull it together to lock down that spot, but if Mullen's going to you know, keep it up like what we've been hearing, He's got stiff competition there. I mean, Fields it, does. Adrian Baker isn't coming back. So, and and how how well is he going to come back? I mean, he's going to come back into September, but right. that's a devastating knee injury. Are you going to come back and be able to be as agile as you need to be at that corner position? Are you going to be able to step up and and stuff the run against some you know big running backs? I don't know. It's going to be tough. And Mullen, I mean, we we say like he's a, like a fallback option. The guy is tremendously talented, unbelievable, he's unbelievable a, speed. He's a natural cornerback, I and mean, I think Venable said that. You can tell he's been playing it all his life. Um, so really excited about that. I think uh, Mullen, Lawrence, obviously get on the field this year. I think Kelly does too. Isaiah Simmons, I just from sheer athleticism and, and physique alone that he's going to get on there. Uh, Trey Lamar, I think we all agree that by midseason um, could have a good shot. Um, a couple other guys on the defense that I think, Rashawn Smith, we haven't really heard a lot about him in practice so far, but he comes in as a five-star uh, recruited linebacker too. I mean, wh- where does he fit in? I see him, I don't, I don't see him supplanting, I mean, obviously he's not going to supplant Bullware. But does he redshirt? Does- no, no, he doesn't redshirt, no. But I, I don't see him taking over or even necessarily getting half the snaps. Is he going to be your third, third and fourth quarter guy? Could be. I see him. I see him being used situationally at the line of scrimmage, you know, blitz packages, things like that, because he has that ability. I, I don't necessarily see him as an every down player. I don't know if he'll get there this year. 
Um, and then Kevon Wallace, uh, you know, they're saying right now he could play either the safety or corner position, um, which really kind of fits him in that nickel spot that you said Isaiah Simmons could be a, a candidate for as well. Um, and I think this is an interesting uh, spot too because, again, Corn Riggins, we don't know, like, it's just not good news about him. We haven't been hearing a lot of good, positive things about him being fully recovered from this injury. So if there's an opening there, yeah, Kevon Wallace could could sneak his way in there and get some playing time as well. I definitely have Wallace in my. He's going to see playing time with an injury. Um, I, you know, all the faith in the world that he was a great recruit for Clemson. I just don't know that he cracks the two deep, barring injury. I I have to agree, and because there are some options there at that nickel, Sam, and ideally, I think his potential, his future is at safety. Uh, and there's there's a few guys there. So who, let me go back to your other category. One was so talented, not a, not. not a position of need, but so talented you can't keep them off the field. And I think Dexter Lawrence and, T- and Tavian Feaster are right squarely in that mix. Absolutely, those are those are my two in that category. And let's we're we've been talking about the defensive side of the ball. So I mean, You've what got- do we need to say about Dexter Lawrence? I mean, he's but he is going to start the year behind Carlos Watkins. You know, potentially. Christian Wilkins, if that's where the coaches choose to play him. He's been taking practice this week, by the way, with the tackles. Um, so he's right there with them. And then, of course, you've got senior Scott Pagano as well in the mix. But we know we're going to see big decks in there. I saw a video clip from someone's shaky smartphone. He stopped Adam Choice with one arm um, with, with a not really a full head of steam, but took him down with one hand. Listen, you've got him for three years. You better play him now. <laughs> well, better. he certainly isn't going to redshirt. No. There's, there's not. I don't think they have a red shirt that could fit him. Well, and I think that's that's what we need to figure out is like where not us. Obviously, the coaches need to sort this out. But in terms of where we expect to see him come in, what type of, you know, I, the luxury we had this year, which we may not have had as much last year, is just rotations, and getting you know seniors, Carlos Watkins, etc., the type of rest they need. You know, if they've had injuries in the past, um, it's going to be really nice. Or do you have the luxury to to flip Christian Wilkins over to end position um, if you know Big Dax has the middle? I think what we're hearing is that Wilkins doesn't really want to go to DE, and the coaches obviously hope that uh, you know enough guys step up where that doesn't need it's to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean it's just not his natural position. Um, of course, you could say that a wideout isn't his natural position either, but we've seen him adapt to that pretty well. Um, so, but you know, I think they're uh, betting on guys like uh, Bryant and Farrell uh, to really step in there, and Yergin and register. And I think between those four guys, and then you throw Kelly into the mix. I, I don't see a need for Wilkins to, to have to move out there. I think two of those guys are going to step up. Well, good stuff on defense. I think we will see a freshman impact. Certainly we sent lots of guys to the NFL last year, so it's expected that this would be the case. Uh, let's flip it over to the offense, though. I think for me, offensively, we're just straight up unlikely to, to repeat what we had in 2015 in terms of true freshmen making a big impact. Uh, just to run it back through, last year we had all-world left tackle Mitch Hyatt come in. You had Jake for Morgan um, also you know, contribute on the offensive line last year. You had four receivers come in. Deion Kane and Hunter Renfro were probably the two who had the most success, but we talked about Ray Ray McLeod earlier, amazing freshman last year, and a guy who maybe didn't get you know as much of the spotlight, but certainly very talented and likely play a bigger role this year, Trevion Thompson. On the O line and in the receiver core, well, and Garrett you know, Williams blocking at tight end, like he got a lot of playing time. I don't think he caught any passes last year, but he played a big uh, job in the offense last year at the tight end position. Yeah, freshman all around, you know, making a huge impact, and that's what got us to the national championship was the role that these guys played. Really, you know, we have some excellent wide receivers coming in. Cornell Powell, you know, Zarek Cooper could be amazing for us, and we can talk about Feaster here in a moment. I just think there's maybe not as many you know balls go around for freshmen this year to have a huge impact on our offense. Uh, but that said, Tavian Feaster, I think he fits well into that category of you know, his talent and his upside are so high that he is going to see plenty of snaps. It's amazing with Feaster how I think you think back to mid-2000s when like a guy like Spiller came in, well, he's got that same level of talent, and everyone was just you know, all about Spiller. And so... so uh, yeah structured the offense around Spiller, right, at the time. Right. I mean, I mean, James Davis was in the fold, but, like, yeah, you, you know, he was he was a centerpiece right away. And Feaster, I'm not going to say he's an afterthought. It's far from that. But there's so many 
players already at running back. However, he offers something that no one else does. He is a home run threat, a chance to go you know, from 50 yards every time he touches the ball. And I think the biggest thing was when he, he weighed in at 206. Uh, Spiller, I don't think, was ever over 200 in his Clemson career. Uh, so For context, that's, what, three, four pounds less than Gallman. With a, yeah, with a tremendously tremendous amount of speed to go with it, more, a lot more than Gallman's. Yeah, talk about a guy that you're only going to have for three years. You better get him on the field now. Um, so whether that's kick returns, I don't – the punt return game is a bit different, but getting back to where we were in the C.J. Spiller, uh, Andre Ellington days of actually having a threatening kick return game, um, I, I definitely see him back there, especially with his burst and the moves that he has. Um, yeah, big thing for him that goes with any freshman running back. Can he hold onto the ball? Can you trust him in crunch time? Or is he just out there, you know, for certain packages? You know, you mentioned all the guys that are in front of him in the running back position. He, again, he's so talented. I think they come up with special packages, kind of a la Mike Bellamy, to get him out there on the field. Well, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. He, at Spartanburg... He was very good at catching the ball. They used him as a receiver almost as they almost as much as they did as a running back. Wheel route, will exactly wheel route, and I don't think he can be trusted at this point in pass protection. You, your biggest responsibility as a running back, if you're or a big part of it, is protecting the best player in the country. So if he can't do that, no, I don't necessarily know if you can trust him in crunch time. But yeah, can they get well, him? Maybe not as the lone setback or you know in that type of blocking setup, but. Well, and hopefully, there's other ways to get him involved. Well, and hopefully, there won't be a lot of crunch time this year. And <laughs> like point. we said, we put a lot of teams away early. I mean, if that happens, he gets on the field more for sure. Anyone else you guys are looking at from an offensive or special teams perspective? I mean, you could kind of throw Greg Hugel's impact last year. You know, we're not going to be replacing him, and you know, it's likely Andy Teasdall retains that punter position. Although I did read Hunter Renfro's taking snaps at punter. Yeah, he hasn't looked that good though. Um, <laughs> Uh, Cornell Powell, a uh, true freshman coming in, um, he's going to be behind Scott McLeod at that two hybrid position. Um, everything we're hearing, he's smooth. He has uh, good uh, route running skills. Uh, they compare him. I mean, that that's kind of like Hunter Renfro. I mean, not the same position, but Hunter, one of Hunter Renfro's biggest assets was his route running ability. I'd really see him in the mix also for uh, kick returns. And I don't know if you want two true freshmen back there returning kicks, but a combination of Tavion Feaster and Cornell Powell that's I think, explosive. I think Artavis Scott. I think Dabo goes with the safer option, which would be Scott. But do you want to get Scott hurt? Artavis Scott is definitely back there for punt returns because, like Dabo mentioned earlier this week, the punt return game is different than it used to be. You're just get the ball, possess it, and protect it. Uh, the kickoff game is still is still comp- you know different. It's still what it was. I mean, you can still have explosive plays. We saw what happened in the national title game and how much of an effect that had on the game. When you have that threat on your team, that's just another dynamic that teams have to prepare for. And when you're so great everywhere else, it's a nail in the coffin. Well, that's why I think it's important to have Scott there. Um, certainly there's a risk. I'm going to knock on wood next time I see it. But um, I don't know if, if Artavius Scott can make that type of impact. I want him back there doing it. And ideally, you know, we could get Cornell Powell. We could get Feaster or potentially Ray Ray McLeod in there and, you know, they can be the primary option, and they're, they're not as crucial to the offense as maybe Scott is. But if he ends up being the guy, like I say feed it to him. I have to agree. When you look at the replacement to Scott, not a huge drop-off. So like, he could, that his value could really be felt on special teams. And look, special teams last year was abysmal. we got to do something to correct it. I'm fine throwing you know, who, a guy who will ultimately be the number two or number three best receiver on the offensive side. Not to the Wolves there, but give him the chance to – turn that ship around. But the thing is, we could overcome uh, the lack of good kick returns or punt returns last year. It's it's the home runs on on the opposing team kick returns that we really need to focus on. Again, our offense is going to be so, so good. Do you risk injury to your best player to average five or ten more yards a return? I don't know, because our offense is going to be able to march down the field on anybody. Not sure. Powell could be a candidate. Uh, he's. I think the biggest, his rap is that he, he's... His body is physically ready, more so than the other two freshmen who are probably going to register. I think absolutely they will register, talking about Overton and um, getting drawn the blank. T.J. Chase. T.J. Yeah, Chase. Chase came yeah. in very light. He's at 164. Right. I think he was in a walking boot, too, as of today. 
Powell looking looking the part. If he, I think Dabo will give him a few chances, maybe in in mop up time when we have some blowouts to see if he can be trusted. Uh, could could be he he ran back. I think a, a, a ball and I don't know if it's all American Army all American game or. Well, that's what turned heads and why people started talking about. I believe that. It was the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They saw his ability there. So and again, his shoulder recovery has been going well too. I think he had a labrum. You look for a way to get these freshman playmakers in there. Like a lot of times on defense and offense, it's special teams where they really find their niche. And I think this is a spot um, where he could excel at this year. Let's get, let's take it to the offensive line really quick because that's where we have we had position of need. Talking about the tackles, we were really thin. We were looking at cross training Hearn, who could be a, a you know viable option. Looking at Maverick Morris, who you can move him to tackle. You'd rather not. You're not getting a plus grade there. I don't think with Morris at tackle. You know, put in Pollard and Jermaine Ankrum, and we're talking about guys. I don't know if they're going to be good right you know right away like Mitch Hyatt, but I think they are really long term solutions but also probably better than you know maybe like a jake from Morgan or as good as a jake from morgan from last year well they're not gonna be mitch hyatt no i can't yeah i'll go out on that limb and say that (laughs) (laughs) but they are both working out with the second team right now and they don't have to be mitch hyatt and as true freshmen coming in on the offensive line because generally you don't like to put true freshmen out there Uh, but coming in as mid-year enrollees is huge because we see the difference with john simpson coming in and all the rave reviews we hear about him, but it's just kind of a, a known fact at this point that he's going to redshirt. At least that's what everybody's expecting. So the fact that these extra six months that these two guys have makes such a big difference and uh, towards um, you know playing into whether or not they will get playing time this year, they're part of the conversation. We're really deep at offensive line. We have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, but again, we get into this garbage time. Protect your one and two deep. Get these guys in there. Get some, them some experience. When the, the I guess the word word around Clemson is that John Simpson looks like he is maybe the best in terms of body stature, the the best offensive line in this class. So uh, maybe there's an injury. He he looks like he could play the tackle. I think ultimately, and you might see Pollard move inside to guard, put John Simpson at tackle. And what a, what heck of another. Class, recruiting class for the offensive line we thought last year was great and we had a lot of concerns we talked about it 12 months ago this was our biggest concern i think it was but this is what this coaching staff does you know we, we talk about the secondary when we have concern there they focus on that they bring in a bunch of young guys now how they're going to play out that remains to be seen um same thing in the linebacker position and now we're focused squarely on the de's so you know offensive line the last two years really you know hitting home runs on these guys you know, we didn't even talk about Chandler Reeves. He's going to eventually come in, I think, and be able to make an impact. It's not going to be this year. Um, but it, a really deep offensive line class, and, you know, I agree. I think uh, both Pollard and Ankrum, uh, given the fact that they're here for the spring, they have a good shot at getting some playing time this year. All right, million-dollar question. Let me ask you guys, four, five, six years from now, which class do you think you're looking back and saying that was a better class, 2015 or 2016? And I will accept a third alternative answer if you're going to go a couple years before that. Yeah, mine's going to be the one that Deshaun Watson was in. <laughs> but um, Top to bottom class. And then I'm also looking next year to 2017 with uh, who we've got coming in too. I don't know. It's tough right now to, to, to tell them apart. I mean, they're all so good. I mean, again, this is, you know. Got to pick ma- one. Yeah, quit, quit thinking out loud. Pick one. Uh, they're all so good. Um you mean to go and you can think? I'm going to go with 2016. I'm going to do the same. I think the top in talent in 2016, not to discount the Christian Wilkins, Mitch Hyatt's of the world, uh, even Austin Bryant's, I think the top in talent in 2016 is a little bit better. I think with Dexter Lawrence, you're looking at a generational type talent. Feaster could potentially be a generational type talent. Uh, Trayvon Mullen has the makings of the next All-American cornerback. Um, I think Zarek Cooper is going to be a really good quarterback. Yeah, I'm not. I'm hopefully not, for us. Yeah, hopefully for us. It's not him. I'm worried about transferring. I think it's going to be more Bryant and Israel because this is make or break for them. This is make or break for Bryant. We're hearing nothing about Tucker Israel. This is make or break for Kelly Bryant with uh, obviously Deshaun Watson ahead of him, and then him not being able to beat out Nick Schusler right right now. Then you have Zarek Cooper coming in right now. Hunter Johnson, Chase Bryce next year. We'll see about Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> it's make or break. But I think Zarek Cooper, everything we're hearing about him, he's a better passer than Kelly Bryant is. He's got that dual threat ability. 
Yeah, and the guy we haven't mentioned would be J.C. Chalk. He's the tight end. He's no chance of not seeing a red shirt, we'll say that. He's got the makings of a, a really good catching uh, tight end, uh, receiving tight end. He, he's going to be a good player in time. He's got, he's got some time to figure things out. But he may maybe a guy down the road, you'll be like, wow, that's a household name. How about Skalski? <laughs> he can kick, right? I hear he can kick. <clears throat> yeah. In addition to being a linebacker, he's got a good kickoffs. If he could Might just do where we need him. If he could kick off this year, I would be so stoked and get it to the five yard or, or, or beyond. Talking about having a guy that can uh, defend on your uh, your kickoff team. I mean, we we saw we took a huge step back when Lakehip got suspended. <laughs> yep. Um, so bringing a guy like Skalski, he's pushing two forty. I would. I, he he has a bright future at linebacker, but I would. We're contending for a championship. I would put him as our kicker for now and figure it out four years from now. Anybody that can get out of the back of the end zone, please. Whatever it takes. Um, cool. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this freshman class. Clearly, you know the coaches did a bang up job bringing these guys in. Looks like chock full of talent, and now they're in prep mode, learn the playbook, learn their assignments. You know, learn the type of opponents we're going to be facing. So, amazing stuff. We will keep a close eye on words from camp um, from David Hood, Nikki Hood, and others um, who are out there in Clemson doing doing God's work. So, um, stay tuned for more from the podcast. We'll be back with you guys in a week. And in the meantime, go Tigers.